Well, thank you, friends, and it's good to be with you again um, and uh, to turn to the Word of God. Uh, I'd like us to turn to Acts chapter 12 today. Um, uh, Rick asked me to do if I would do this this one now because I, I couldn't do earlier in the month when I normally uh, normally uh, speak. Um, and I'm very glad to do that. And I had in mind something, but during this week, I felt very strongly that I should turn to this chapter again. You will will find one or two messages on sermon audio by me on this verse anyway. Um, and I'm going to give you a resume of, 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 of one because I just felt it was so appropriate to our prayer time uh, here. And particularly to think of verse 11, so I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I, I'm, I'm going to trust that you know the account uh, of Herod imprisoning Peter in prison and the church uh, praying for him. And in verse 11, Peter, having been delivered by the angel, uh, comes to himself and he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. Now, this is a love, wonderful illustration of the power of God at work and, of course, the power of prayer. Herod, uh, the king, uh, hated the Christians. Uh, this Herod was Herod Agrippa. He was the grandson of Herod the Great of Matthew 2. Uh, so this is the second Herod Agrippa. Uh, there are two if you know your Bible um, history well, but he is the grandson of Herod the Great of Matthew 2, and he was very like his grandfather. Um, um, Herod the Great had killed his own son, that was Agrippa's father, uh, and Agrippa himself, by double dealing and treachery, had acquired the lands and power of his grandfather, and his concern now was to um, please the majority so that he could wield even more power over them. So he kills James, the brother of John, with a sword at the beginning of the chapter. And that pleased the Jews. So he seizes Peter as well. But he doesn't want it to cause another debacle like the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus. So he waits till after Passover to execute Peter. James was dead. Hardly 15 years since he had heard those grand words, follow me. Peter is captured and he's kept safe. He's locked up in prison. He's kept by four squads of four soldiers each. So here is one man guarded by 16 men and he's chained to two of them. And outside the door were two sets of guards and then a locked iron gate. From a human point of view, there was no possibility of escape, no hope of escape. All was lost. His doom is sealed. But verse five, the church prayed for him. Constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Fervent, earnest, continuous. The word in the Greek is a very full word. And God's people pray and they pray night and day. We testify to that, don't we, on this prayer call, because we have folk uh, not only from America and Britain, uh, but uh, from other parts of the world, from Cambodia, from uh, the Philippines, from uh, Australia, for, from New Zealand, all through the, the world, all through the day and through the night. Uh, the, Peter may sleep, but the church prays, and he who neither slumbers nor sleeps 
hears their cry and listens to their prayers. Now, I don't know whether you've ever thought about this, but what do they pray for? Do you think they prayed for Peter's deliverance? Or did they pray for Peter to have courage as he faced certain death? Well, we don't know, but they prayed. That's the point. And with God on our side, who knows what a day may bring forth? So let's think about this for a moment or two. Notice first the facts of Peter's deliverance. Here is Peter. He is chained to two soldiers. He was a prize too good to lose. Herod had him safe, or that's what he thought. And is Peter helpless? Not at all. The Christians put his case in God's hands. The great advocate hears their cry. James is dead. Peter is under threat of death. If it be death, strengthen him and give him courage. And now it's the last night, verse six, when Herod was about to bring him out. That night, Peter was sleeping. I don't know about you, but I find that incredible. I think if I knew that I was going to be killed the following morning, taken out and shot or going to have my head cut off, I don't know that I would sleep very soundly. And yet he is so sound asleep that when the angel has to come, comes to him, he has to, and the, the word, the Greek word is to smite him, to wake him up. He is so much at peace in the Lord Jesus that he is sleeping so soundly, the angel has to smite him, strike him on the side and say to him, wake up, wake up. <laughs> I find that incredible. Well, maybe you're all far too spiritual, and but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not as spiritual as you are. <laughs> I, I find that amazing. But in one sense, what else could he do? What's the point of fretting or fearing? He was in the hands of God. And he is content to trust him. Peter sleeps, but God never sleeps. What will the outcome do be? How will God answer the prayers of his believing people? Well, unbelief asks how, but faith looks to God and trusts him, whatever the outcome. Peter can sleep in quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. And then the angel comes. And we're told that it was an angel of the Lord. Now, in the Old Testament, we read about the angel of the Lord. Is this the angel of his presence? Is this the Lord Jesus himself? Well, the passage doesn't say that it was, and I'm not going to debate that in detail with you. But this was nothing else but the direct intervention of God. And whether it was the angel of the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, the Lord Jesus, or whether it was an angel, Gabriel, or one of the other angels, it was God who did this. And what do we read? We read that a light shone. Why didn't the guards see the light? But God is well able to do this. You remember the guards on the resurrection morning who never saw that they were sleeping, weren't they? The Bible tells us that. And his chains fall off and he's told to get up and to dress. There's no hurry. Everything can be done in order. Everything was under control. And he was commanded to follow. And Peter, in a daze, follows. 
In fact, we read that he thought he was seeing a vision in verse night. He thought he was dreaming. The gate opens. Peter is led out. And then the angel leaves him. He's left to himself. What is he to do? Well, first, he gives glory to God. That's our text. When Peter had come to himself, he said, now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. And then he goes to Mary's house. And I always thought, thought well, I can remember reading this when I was a child and thinking how foolish this servant girl was. She comes to the door. Yeah, this is I, I can't get my head around this. Even now, she comes to he come he goes to Mary's house and he bangs on the door and Rhoda comes to the door. And um, what does Rhoda do? Instead of letting him in, she shuts the door on him and goes back inside and says, Peter's outside. I, mean, I think that's crazy. But you see, that's what happens, doesn't it? When God answers our prayers in ways that we don't expect, we're taken aback, aren't we? And here the believers cannot believe. <laughs> and yet here's the evidence before them. And there's great joy among the saints. Nothing can triumph against the people of God who wields the weapons of faith and prayer in the power of God. The facts of Peter's deliverance. But then notice the suddenness of it. Verse 11, we read, Peter is taken by surprise. And in verse 14, Rhoda is taken by surprise. And in verse 16, the disciples are surprised. And then the following morning in verse 18, the, the guards are surprised. You see, we just don't know when God will work or how he will work. And how often he takes us by surprise when he does work. But he will work. We're assured of that. So, my dear friends, keep on praying. Bombard heaven by your prayers. And the suddenness of this deliverance alerts us. We do not know how soon or how quickly or how dramatically God may change the whole situation. Here are the people of God and the enemies of God, and they're both taken aback by the power of God at work. But we have the all-powerful God. That was the suddenness of Peter's deliverance. Thirdly, the triumph of Peter's deliverance. He recognizes that in verse 11. This was God's work. Peter's deliverance was a great triumph against their enemies. And that was exactly what happened when the Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead. That was no light or small matter. It was a great triumph. The gates of hell trembled that day when the Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead. My friends, the Lord Jesus Christ did not die to bring us some small or little or insignificant blessing. He came with the greatest triumph of all time. And so that leads me, fourthly, to think of the lessons of Peter's deliverance. Well, I'm not going to develop these. I'll just list them. Firstly, nothing is too hard for the Lord. Even the imprisonment of Peter kept by 16 soldiers is not too hard for the Lord. Secondly, no one is so bound by the devil that they cannot be delivered. Thirdly, 
no faithful prayer ever goes unanswered. And fourthly, this is a perfect illustration of divine sovereignty and human responsibility. Peter in prison could not save himself. The church could not save him. And the angel comes and smites him to wake him up. We need God to wake the sinner. We need God to wake us up. And the angel commands Peter and he has to get up and get dressed. He has to do it. He's not dragged out against his will. And he is amazed by what, is hap what happened. Well, my friends, what an encouragement to keep praying. For those of us who've been delivered from the prison of death, who've been delivered by the Lord Jesus Christ, who've heard the command of God's angel, the angel of his presence to follow him. Have we been amazed at the glory of our salvation? Well, maybe you're not yet a Christian. Will you come to this savior and you find him as a great and glorious savior? Nothing is too hard for the Lord. No one is so bound by the devil that they cannot be saved. No faithful, no faithful believing prayer ever goes unanswered. And so, my dear friends, let us pray and keep praying and go on praying. For nothing is too hard for the Lord. And if we're surprised by what God does, praise him and thank him and glory in his goodness. Let's not be like Rhoda who opens the door and then shuts it again. <laughs> Let's be those who go on with God and glory in his grace and know his mighty power and experience the amazing glory of this great and mighty salvation by his grace. Amen.